There's some debate out there over what movie or what series of movies is perhaps the best of all time, but regardless of the debate, regardless of what blog you read or internet site you jump onto, in the top five of every person you talk to is always the Star Wars movies. And so for you Star Wars fans out there, it's not just that Star Wars is one of the greatest movie series of all times, but inside those movies, there's some incredibly epic moments. And so inside there is a debate of which moments are the most epic. And so I'm going to bring to you my top six. And if you agree with me, give me a thumbs up in the chat. If you disagree with me, you're wrong, but that's okay. So in no particular order, except for the last one, I think these are some of the most iconic moments in Star Wars. Think about when Anakin and Obi-Wan duke it out in that incredible fight scene. Clearly a top five moment. Think about when Ray defeats the Palpatine clone. What, what a moment. Clearly, clearly a top five. What, what, about, what about the fight scene between Ray and Kylo Ren? That is, that is must-see TV. What, what about if you go back kind of to the beginning? What about when Yoda lifts the X-Wing or when Luke blows up the Death Star? All easily top five moments. But I think the most iconic, epic Star Wars moment is, is represented in, in this picture right here. If you know the phrase that belongs in here, drop it in the chat right now because everyone should know this. It's Luke, I am your father. That's right. I, I, I can't describe the emotions of seeing that the first time. It's incredible. But imagine, imagine knowing this was going to happen from the very beginning and then Having that as a frame of mind when you watch the entire movie, it, it changes everything when you know that's going to happen. Well, we're in a series right now called Who is Jesus? And John, the gospel writer, completely flips the script on his approach to telling us about Jesus. You see, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other gospel writers that we would call the synoptic gospels, well, they talk about what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had watched. They talk about this earthly man, Jesus, and his life, and his ministry, and it's kind of like you met this guy on the road and then you learn that he's so much more. In fact, he's the God of heaven. And so the way they unfold, it's like from earth to heaven. But, but John's approach is completely different. Instead of from earth to heaven, John takes the heaven to earth approach and he completely flips the script and he begins with the most vital information you need to know about Jesus. And then based on that truth, you read the rest of his gospel through that filter. It's like knowing exactly who Jesus is from the very beginning and then reading the rest of his life and ministry, knowing that he's God, he's creator, he's eternal, he is the divine son of God. And so 
If you're just joining us this week, this is week two of what we are calling a series on the gospel of John, who is Jesus? And we're gonna be in the gospel of John from now until Easter. So get ready, dig in. We're in chapter one. I'm gonna read to you verses six through 13. Those are the passages we're unpacking today. Get ready, it's going to be amazing. John says this, he says, there was a man, sent from God, whose name was John. And he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, the true light that gives light to everyone who was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but, but to all who did receive them, he gave them the right to be called children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of man or of the will of flesh, but of God. Let's pray together. God, you have clearly said in your word that Jesus is God. He is the son of God. He is the creator of all. But what we read today is that he's the savior of all. And so help us today as we study your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And so this passage is incredibly valuable. And we learn a lot of things, not only about John the writer, but about another John. And take a look back. Let's let's go back now in verse six and we'll see what John tells us. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And that's not the John who's writing this. That's John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, the one who set the stage to tell everyone that Jesus was coming. And John was very clear that although Jesus is God, John the Baptist was just a man and he had a reason why he came. And it says this right here. He came as a witness. Well, what was he a witness to? Well, to testify about the light and the light describes Jesus Christ as the light of the world. And this is why he was testifying so that all might believe through him, through Jesus. And again, he tells us, John, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. See, John wanted everybody to know that Jesus was coming and be ready for Jesus's coming. John was saying, hey, the Savior's coming. You need him. He loves you. He is your only hope. Get ready. And what John was for Jesus's first coming, think about this. What John was for Jesus's first coming we get to be for his second. Yeah, that's right. See, John told people Jesus is coming. That was John's job. Hey, get ready. But now we, the people of God, we get to declare that Jesus did in fact come. He did everything that he promised and he changes lives. He alters eternities and he's coming back. How amazing is it that that John got to tell everyone, hey, get ready. How amazing is it that we, the people of God, get to tell everyone John John was right. John was right. Jesus is everything that he promised and more. And we've been changed by him. And so you you may be able to debate my understanding or my reading of scripture, but, but you can't debate the change that Jesus has made in my life. You 
People can't argue with the change that Jesus has made in your life. And so like we talk about all the time, man, Jesus people talk about Jesus. That's why our vision over the next 24 months is to ensure that everyone that breathes air that's within a 10 mile radius of our church hears about Jesus because of us. We know that he came, he did what he said he was gonna do and we wanna tell everyone about Jesus. Saturate, saturate our reach with the gospel. And then from there, we wanna plant churches just like this, life-giving gospel-centered churches in Smyrna and Murfreesboro and College Grove, because as we talk about all the time, Jesus is way too good to keep to ourselves. So we, we know that he came, but, but John at that time, well, he was still telling everyone that Jesus is coming. And so let's jump back into the text and see what John says. John says, the, the true light, that's Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's what we just said. That's his message. Look at the next verse, verse 10. He, that's Jesus, was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his people did not receive him. And when John uses the word world, it's, it's really always in a negative or pejorative way. It's, it's an emphasis on the fallenness or the sinfulness or the moral depravity of the world. The world, when John uses that phrase, isn't a good thing, according to John. That's why later when he says, for God so loved the world, it, it's spectacular because you would think, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. God's going to step into that mess, that fallenness, that brokenness, that sinfulness. He loves that mess. Yes. That's what makes the message of Jesus so spectacular. That the world that Jesus stepped into was a sinful, broken mess. But, but guess what? You know, 2,000 years later, nothing, nothing's really changed. It's still a sinful, broken mess. But as John told us, we now have a powerful, powerful Light. So let's look back. Let's look back more at what John is telling us. Go back in your Bibles to, to verse 10 and, and look at what it says here in verse 10. It says, he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. That's, that's what they did. They pushed back. They didn't want Jesus, his miracles, his truths, or his salvation. Now, let's look at verse 12. Look at what it says in verse 12. But there's a contrast here. Some people did believe, but to all who did receive him, who did accept his claims, who did place their faith in him, look at what happens. He, that's Jesus, gave them the right to be called children of God. This is spectacular. Look, look more. It says, to those who believed in his name, we're, we're born, this is really important. You might want to underline this in this Bible. Not by natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but, this is spectacular, of God. So those who received him, those who became children of God, Jesus gave the right, not because of natural descent, not will of the flesh, not the will of man, but of God and God alone. Our salvation is a gift from God. That's why when we talk about the gospel all of the time, we talk about it as the good news. And so, so let me ask you a question. When you think about the word gospel, 
when you think about that word good news or gospel, what immediately comes to your mind? When you think about the word gospel, what comes to your mind? Maybe like a style of music or maybe, you know, a statement like, oh, that's the gospel truth. But but let me give you a little bit of background on this word. It's spectacular. It's the it's the Greek word euangelion. It's it's even fun to say. It's it's an incredible term, but it actually has a pretty profound background. It actually has a military context in its background. And if you go back into the Old Testament, people would historically live in cities with giant walls surrounding them. And up on the top of the wall, there would always be a watch who would look and keep an eye out for approaching foreign armies that wanted to attack and kind of level and destroy and pillage their village. And when the watchmen would see an approaching army, they would always report back and they would send back out an, an army to defend and to attack the enemy. And what would happen is people would wait sort of with bated breath. They wouldn't know what was happening on the battlefield. They wouldn't know if they were winning or losing. This was far before CNN or Fox News. This was a life or death moment because if the enemy won, then they were going to be ransacked and their homes destroyed and people taken as slaves. It was not going to be good. So they would have to wait, what's going on? But what would happen is if if their army won, if their army was victorious, they would send back a messenger. They would send someone back to climb up onto the walls around the city and they would come back with a message called a euangelion. They would come back with a message of good news that they would say to the city, we have been victorious. We have defeated our enemy. You're going to live. See, listen, if the battle was won, a messenger would come back with a euangelion, with a message of good news, that a battle, listen to me, listen right here, they would come back with a message that a battle had been won for them. They would come back with a declaration that someone went to war for you, that someone was victorious for you, and they would climb up on the wall and they would say, I have good news. You're not gonna die. You're going to live. Our army has been victorious. And listen, you, you cannot be any normal person in that moment and hear that a battle had been won for you, that your life has been spared, that your life has been saved, that someone has claimed a victory for you and not shout. You can't hear that message and not hug someone and declare how glorious that day was. See, that's why. That's why we call the gospel the good news. We call the gospel the good news because it's a message of a battle that's been won for you. It's a battle that Jesus accomplished for you. On the battlefield of sin and death, he went out and won it for us. Now, the tragedy, the tragedy is that so many, so many have taken Jesus's dream you know, the dream of, of a life lived, salvation by grace through faith. And Jesus's dream that we would know God and find freedom and discover our purpose and go make a difference. And they've, they've, they've traded it in really for just an expression of religion that Jesus never intended it to be. And so Christianity, it, it's so much more then a list of things that we're not supposed to do. And then this other list of things that we are supposed to do. 
And Christianity is not, you know, God likes me when I keep the rules, but God doesn't really like me when I don't keep the rules. You know, I'm convinced that there's a lot of people that haven't fallen in love with Jesus because they believe God's pleased with them based on how they keep the rules. And so being a Christian has just been this kind of weary, merry-go-round of emotions. God's happy with me because I'm doing great. God's not happy with me because I'm not doing great. Up and down and up and down. And so it's, it's exhausting, isn't it? It's just, it's weary to live like that. And that's, that's not the good news of the gospel that we declare. And that's not, that's not the good news of the gospel that Jesus intended. And so listen, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to dial in for just a minute. If you've been checking football scores, if you've been watching something else, if you've been counting carpet fabrics for just a minute, I want you to tune in with me right now because I want to talk about the essence of our faith with you for just a moment. This is maybe the most important thing that you'll hear today. Listen, the essence of our faith, the essence of our faith, listen, is that God loves you he accepts you. He connects with you. He is pleased with you. And he will make you his son or daughter, not, not based on what you have or have not done. It is not based on anything you have or have not done in your life. No, no, no. No, no, no. But the essence of our faith, listen, the essence of our faith is that God loves you, accepts you, connects with you, is pleased with you, will make you his son or daughter based solely on, look right here, what Jesus has already done. That's why we call it the gospel, the good news. A battle has been won for you. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news. But I I wanna chat for just a minute. Because what I know is that there are a lot of people, a lot of people who will claim the name Christian. In fact, there are numerous authors that have dealt specifically with the different types of people that name the name Christian, that claim the name Christian. And they identify really three different types of people. And so see where you might fall on this list and see if any of these actually line up with the good news of Jesus. And so we can begin with cultural Christians. And this is very popular in different parts of America, but it's very common all over the place, but specifically in certain regions. But cultural Christians would claim the name Christian solely based on something in their lifestyle, something that is kind of normative in their behavior, perhaps a, a level of morality, maybe the way they vote, sort of a conservative bent in their life. And sort of the stream of their life is a little bit different than the vast majority of people. And so culturally, they're, they're different. Culturally, they are a little bit unique. And so based on some of the patterns in their lives, they would consider themselves Christians. That's one group of people. Another group of people is what authors would call churched Christians. And these are people who have been in church their entire lives. Like some of you, man, you have been coming to church nine months before you were born. You were born the 
doctor slapped your bottom and your first word was Jesus. Like you've been around. And what's incredibly beautiful and spectacular and glorious. And in fact, what I'm praying to be true for the lives of our people it is also incredibly dangerous, incredibly dangerous. So, so think about a few things out there that are both beautiful and spectacular and also incredibly dangerous. So, so think about Niagara Falls. You, you could take the Maiden of the Mist tour down on the bottom of the boat. And if you watch The Office, that's where Jim and Pam were married right there. It was a great scene. But you can go down there and you can get a beautiful and glorious and spectacular view of Niagara Falls. But it's also incredibly dangerous. If you put yourself in a barrel or a, a raft or a little boat, or you just try to swim over the top, you are not going to make it. You're going to die. It's beautiful, but also dangerous. Think about lions. This picture here is actually a cell phone picture that I took in Maasai Mara, which is right on the border of Nairobi and Tanzania. And we were on safari there. And I was maybe 10 yards from this male lion. And he is one of the most glorious creatures that you could imagine seeing in the wild. You just like want to walk up and like just stroke his mane and just pet him. But what you can't see in this picture is on the other side of that bush is a mangled wildebeest that he had just killed and eaten. And so he is beautiful, but deadly at the same time. And so when I talk about churched Christians, when we talk about churched Christians, the reason why I say it's incredibly beautiful and spectacular, and I hope every one of you has the opportunity to spend your life around God's people, around God's promises, around God's mission, around God's provision, God's best with his body, the church, is also incredibly dangerous because I talk to people all the time and I say, hey, tell me about your life, do you consider yourself a Christian? And quite often, here's what I hear. Here's what I hear. I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. Yeah, tell me about that. Well, I grew up in church. I, I was baptized. I, I took a communion or I'm, I'm always at church. And so they have associated being around the things of God with being saved by God. And that's not at all what John just said in this passage. What, what John said was that for those who did believe in his name, for those who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. They didn't take it. You certainly aren't born that way. There was a moment in time when Jesus gave them, gave me, gave some of you the right to be called children of God. And so so there's, there has to be a last category here. There has to be a last, and it's, it's, it's missing any sort of qualifier here. And it's missing a qualifier because I don't think we really need a qualifier in front of the word Christian because embedded in the word is the word Christ. And Christian literally means little Christ, little Christ. We've been saved. We've been redeemed by Christ and Christ alone. That's why the essence of our faith is that God loves us, accepts us, believes in us, chooses us, makes us his son or daughter because of what Jesus did. We don't need a qualifier. And if we were going to put a qualifier here out of what we read in John today, then you could say, 
did receive him, Christians. Like, well, I received Jesus as my savior. Or you could put believed in his name, Christians. Or you could look at the text and say children of God, Christians. That's what John is talking about. But, but I, I don't think we even need those qualifiers. I think, I think the word itself has it. We are Christians. We are little Christs. And so the question that I have for you today is, is, is based on what John says and based on what so many believe to be true, that there are several different categories of Christians, which one of those categories actually has eternal life, actually has their eternity secure in heaven? Which one of those actually represents the good news of Jesus? So it can't be cultural Christians because their identity is based on something that they are doing or have done in their life. That doesn't make you a Christian. It can't be churched Christians because being in and around the church your whole life doesn't make you a son or daughter of God. It can because you've believed and accepted, but it doesn't guarantee it. No, no, no. Christians, according to John, are people who believed in his name, received him, and then Jesus gave us the right, gave it to us, the right to be called children of God. And if you're not a child of God, then today I want to pray with you. I want to ask you to respond to our Savior. And you do that by saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the Jesus that John declares you to be the savior of the world. And I repent of my sins. I put my faith in you right now. I want you to do that. I want you to respond to Jesus. And then I want you to reach out to us. If you drop your name in the comments right now, our team will follow up with you. We'll connect with you. We'll direct message you. We'll get in touch with you. Don't leave today without responding to us and let us following up with you. But for those of you who are Christians, and, and you, you are saved and you have responded to him and you have put your faith in him, here's my ask to you. If, if Jesus is the light of the world and we are little Christs and the world is broken and sinful and dark, then, then would you join me in turning on more lights for Jesus in this world? Starting right here in Nolensville, heading into Smyrna, Murfreesboro, College Grove, Middle Tennessee, our nation and the world. Would you go with me over the next 24 months and make sure every person that breathes air has the opportunity to hear about Jesus because of us? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are good. Thank you that you're the light of the world. Thank you that we have the good news of the gospel. I pray for those who will be saved today and I pray for those who are Christians that they would with me turn on the light bright and bold in our area. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. See you next week.